0: That was like kind of a eureka moment for me there. You yeah, it's basically how like how you can embed the data.
1: Yeah, you can basically use, so a public key is 32 bytes. Right. If we say that you can use 30 bytes for anything and then all you've got to do is brute force the last few bits so that it becomes a valid, a valid point. Uh, job done. It's, uh, then it, then it will literally be, um, uh, obviously it'll have no value to it. it will have no spending value. Um, but it will be data that's on the blockchain that's not part of the financial transaction.
2: This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by Stealth EX, an instant exchange where privacy is the top concern. Go to stealthex.io. To instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making Stealth EX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever. By typing in monerotalk.crypto in your monero.com or cake wallet, send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Monero developer JT Grassi. The two discuss the issues with TX Extra, why this field exists, the importance of making transactions uniform, why stuffing image data in a private transaction's extra field is crazy, the reason most people in Monero are against having NFTs on the XMR blockchain, how mortinals could diminish privacy and fungibility, whether or not removing TX Extra is the solution, steganography, and more followed by a muscle and Q&A session where Luke Parker joins the conversation. Monero Talk starts now.
0: All right, Jethro, what's going on, man? Hey, hey. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a while. I was, I was checking back at our last time you were on. It was like three years ago or
1: something, something like that. Yeah. Wow. I've
0: been busy. Busy. I know. Lots, lots changed since then, man. That, that was pre-COVID, I guess, right? Oh my so, God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's a completely different world. New York is still the same.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I saw, I saw you after, I think I saw you after COVID, right? We saw yeah. you in the physical
1: realm. Yeah. Vic, Vic had a thing, didn't he? Yeah. Over on South Park. Yep. That was after I, I had finished running for Congress. I know. I know.
0: Oh, you thinking, man.
1: <laughs> no, I thought like I was really impressed with what you managed to achieve and uh Thank you man. Just uh
0: Yeah, you're you're local to New York, so you you knew what I was like kinda up against, right? It wasn't uh, I
1: knew, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was and not fun at the same
1: time. Yeah, lots of dirty tricks in politics. Oh, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I was looking
0: back. The last time you were on, we talked about the perfectly binding and what was it?
1: Computationally perfectly hiding, computationally binding. Yeah. Yes. Had Yes.
0: Which is a great talk, by the way. Anybody who's listening to this, I recommend you go back and listen to that. I thought that was that was that was a really good one. Um, and it you know gets rid of some of the the FUD that you constantly hear about Monero not being auditable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a good convo. Yeah, so I wanted to have you back on uh, to, you know, re-explain things to me again on a, on a different topic. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the hot topic right now, which is TX Extra, and the fact that it's being used to do some things that may make or certainly do, I guess we could say, make Monero less fungible and what the dev community what the dev community is doing about that what they've already done what they're thinking of doing what the the debate is and uh I thought going to you would be a good way of getting the info out
1: well I feel like I've definitely been uh, been debating it with pretty much everybody uh so yeah I can certainly give you my takes on it but uh I don't think there's any perfect solution
0: yeah give us give us your takes teach us
1: i mean well so so as I'm sure everybody knows there's this there's this uh there's an issue with transactions and this this issue's been there since, since the beginning i mean it's no, it's been known about i mean i've certainly been in discussions with people about it since about 2016 which is the um tx extra field and the issue with the field for for those that don't know is that it allows any basic any base any data to be added to a transaction um and until very recently Um, it was unbounded as well. So you could attach huge amounts of data to transaction. Um, Now, the issue with that is you don't want transactions to look different from each other. So you want this thing called uniformity so that every transaction which ends up on the blockchain, it essentially looks like every other transaction. And so over the years, we've been, you know, there's been a number of other. So outside of TX Extra, there's been a number of other things that we've done over the years to create uniformity so for example um the ring size in in the beginning um it like it you could choose your ring size Uh, like everybody could have different ring sizes which meant obviously uh transactions would stand out there'd be there'd be different transactions with different ring sizes and so you could have an exchange for example that was always using i don't know off the top of my head like five, five five a ring of five and everybody else was using a ring of one or whatever, whatever the amount was, mm-hmm. that basically they're, they're different. So, so one of the changes, you know, very early on, uh, was to have a fixed ring size and
0: some people use like incredibly large ring sizes too, right? Like was, yeah, like-
1: they, yeah, they, they were, I mean, the, but the issue is, is that everybody was using different sized, uh, rings and the wallet software allowed you to specify how many ring members you would have in your transaction so that was quickly um quickly done away with by using a fixed ring size so then every transaction had exactly the same ring size so there was one element that we could uh, make the transactions more uniform um and there's been you know there's been other things as well i mean there's been uh there's i mean there's been there's been a number of things over the years i mean that was just one that sprung to mind um and so so with transaction extra the the thing is with ta- transaction extra, we do actually use it right now. let's let, we need to set that record straight as well. like it is used in a normal transaction right now. the um, the transaction uh, public key goes into TX extra. Uh, if you use sub addresses, extra keys are added into Tx extra. Uh, if you do a multi-sig transaction to multiple different, uh, destinations, then there are extra keys put in TX Extra. So we do already use it. Um, so the question is, the big question now that there's this, uh, project which has come along and is now basically, um, stuffing image data into TX Extra, which with that aim of making non-fungi- non-fungible tokens. Which is kind of crazy really for a privacy blockchain. That's not, that's not our goal. It never has been our goal. And you can oh, do that. With...
0: You, you have some more nulls, don't you?
1: No, I don't have any. I, <laughs> yeah. I really don't because like there are plenty of other ways of, of, of creating image data stored on blockchains, other blockchains that are far more um, suited to the task at hand because they're not privacy blockchain um so so i mean th- this is an interesting point because like uh, uh, somebody that's not close to the community may look at this as a discussion about whether it's monero like people within the monero ecos- ecosystem either for or against nfts on monero right but that's not really the discussion um because uh, those that have been into monero for any any length of time pretty much there i mean like it's over the overwhelming majority do not want to have moneros for uh for such purposes the the design of the the whole goal of this is fungible digital cash and that is the the goal of the project the goal of the project is not arbitrary data storage it is not an evm it is not any any number of other blockchain goals. Our goal is fungible digital cash. And so the overwhelming majority of people in the ecosystem it's no question that they're that, that overwhelming majority do not want NFTs on the Monero blockchain. So if you move past that part of the discussion, you're then into some more nuanced arguments, which are well there's there's two there's two sides to this. So one is Okay, well, what else do we use t- transaction extra for? So there are other use cases that haven't been developed yet or are in development. So, for example, like atomic swaps, mm-hmm. um, which could could require um, storing extra data in the in the transactions. It makes complete sense. Just like sub addresses, when sub addresses were developed, if we didn't have transaction extra we would have had to have added new fields into the actual transaction. It wouldn't be that we couldn't do sub-addresses. It just makes it a bit harder because the, the change has to come in a fork then because the transaction protocol would change. Whereas if you're, if you're just developing something and you don't have to create a fork because you've stuffed data in Transaction Extra instead, your specialized bit of data in Transaction Extra, then it allows a kind of uh, an easy path for adding features, basically, uh, that don't require any kind of fork. So so that's...
0: Yeah, offering was calling it like the junk drawer, right? Like it's like... The...
1: Yeah, and the thing is, it's why... And it reminds me of the discussions in 2015, 2016, when we were talking about Transaction Extra, I mean, the whole goal of TransAction Extra was exactly for this use case so that you could do other things, like whether it would be sticking in a hash for some merge mining or, you know, those kind of use cases. But it was like, hey, there's other use cases, but we don't know quite what they are. So this field, you know, those other use cases can use this field. Um, the problem is with that, again, is that they're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Because transaction extra isn't it uh, isn't validated in in any way other than the size, uh, which, as I mentioned, was unconstrained until until uh, Tevador's patch very recent so so that so that's one side of the argument. it's like, okay, well, this field is great for adding features or adding unknown features in the future uh, without having a hard fork. That was its original intent. That's mm-hmm. how it's been used to date. Um, but now it's being, I like to say abused because now it's being used for things that aren't for the, the, aren't to the goal of fungible digital cash. They're to right. some other goal. And in this case, it's modernals, obviously. So putting image data on the blockchain and it not being uh, fungible at all. Their, their whole idea is that it's non fungible. The problem is with that. It's not that it's the people and that that the, their goal is fungible digital cash. They're not against using the data using the blockchain for other things per se. It's the the problem of it is the the impact to privacy that it can have. And the reason that it impacts privacy is because of the fact that we have ring Signat- and ring signatures use decoys and if you're using decoys that are known so they're non-fungible decoys you're basically discarding those decoys and you're 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 essentially making it you're you're reducing the 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 set of, of of potential decoys that a transaction could be spending so it harms privacy on on that level um and that—that's really what people are, are generally against,
0: right? Like, if—if we—if it could be done in a way where it wasn't affecting the the anonymity set for for decoys, or wasn't wasn't affecting you, the fungibility yeah. overall, nobody would care, right? Sure, like go go have fun with your with your ordinals.
1: Well, but... yes and no. I mean, there is another there is another another okay. there is another thing to do with this, though, as well. It's not like okay, they're not impacting privacy, therefore, hey, go and do whatever you like with it. because there's a there's a there's another impact to yeah exactly so if somebody is stuffing lots of data on the blockchain that impacts every person that runs a full node and sure they may run a prune node so great like that's one way of of combating that is by basically saying okay well we'll prune off all of the transaction extras uh you know that is one solve, but it's like all I'm getting at is there are other implications. It's not just, although it's the biggest one and the primary one that we're focused on, being the the the, the reduction in your decoys. Um, the other, there are other impacts. So there's an impact to cost and storage. Um, so all of these things would come into play if something like mordinals really took off. I mean, right now the numbers are tiny; like it's really it's it's really not taking off in any big way um, and I'm like I'm pretty confident I mean here I am putting it down on, on, on recorded but um, I, I honestly think that it's going to come and go uh, Mordenals but the, the whether it comes and goes is besides the point it is still something that needs fixing because even if we even if Mordenals doesn't become really successful um, that doesn't mean that somebody else in the future doesn't doesn't do something similar.
0: You think it is naturally just going to come and go on its own in that there's not a real desire for it?
1: I think, I think so. I mean, if you, I I haven't looked at it in great detail, but if you think about NFT on other chains, like the reason that they're part of the reason why they're successful is they can be traded. Um, I don't know that there's, there's a particular trading platform for Mordinals right now. I think it's, I think right now it's just one of those. Fun things that people want to do, you know, they think it's fun. It's like, Hey, I stick a, an image on the Monero blockchain and it's, I don't think there's any like big financial thing behind it right now. Right. Just
0: kind of a novelty. Like, I yeah, could...
1: thank you. Exactly. A novelty.
0: Like I've got one of the few Monero NFTs that are probably ever going to exist, you know, cause it's going to go away. Um, but yeah. So I guess, I guess the point. Yeah. I was, like Monero community. I don't like, I personally would be okay f- with it. If it wasn't ex- affecting fungible digital cash, and like you said, it's doing that in two ways. One is the privacy and the second is just the overall efficiency of the system, which affects fungible digital cash, right? It makes the system not as usable for digital cash purposes. If transactions become more expensive and whatever it becomes, the, the nodes are getting too large too fast, right? So all, all those yeah. things play into it. But exactly. for, for the end of fungible digital cache is what we're always keeping in the back of our mind as we make the, these design decisions
1: yeah and like i think it's worth like it's also worth pointing out that although although um Tevedor, uh recently did the patch to constrain the size of tx extra so it's that now like 1060 bytes so just over a kilobyte mm-hmm. um that wasn't like, that wasn't on its own, like, uh, a thing to try and stop Mordenals. It was really plugging a gap that should have been there early on. Like, the fact that there wasn't uh, some kind of reasonable cap on the size of TX Extra was kind of a mess. I mean, there is an overall transaction weight that, that... can't be pushed but um for example but here's the thing like so the the cap at 1060 bytes is basically saying we don't want unconstrained data added to the blockchain and in our current use cases um, we could potentially need that many bytes for these public keys so if if somebody was doing a 16 output transaction and they were sending those 16 outputs to different people then that's how much data would be needed by TX extra just for our current use cases. So it really is just a, a catch-all basically.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned, you know, that, that, that there's things that it's, it's been used for, for purposes of actually creating fungible digital cash, right? And things, that, things that we need, right? So sub-addresses. We, we, we didn't create these separate fields. Why didn't we? Uh, obviously it's, it was just easier to do, right, to use TX extra, but It seems like there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a, the political will wasn't there to create these separate fields for these obviously necessary things.
1: Well, so oh my God, we have to go right back in history because, and I don't know when, I I didn't look at the code to see at what point um, it was used for this, but I'm pretty sure right from the start, TX Extra was used to add public keys. I mean, it's part of the. It's so there's like a, a byte that can be added in front of the data. Uh so the way that Monero passes TX Extra basically it's like a, a type length value field. Um and the the standard types that Monero uses, one of those types is a public key. And we actually put the transaction public key in there. Now that's an essential part of the transaction, the transaction public key. And it's been in there since the start. So although like t- transaction extra could be used for other things. Like we actually do use it for other things. Like right from the beginning. Um, now the 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 question of why we why sub addresses used it. Well, sub addresses needed to add extra public keys. And where do you stick extra public keys? You stick them in transaction extra. Because there was already a way of passing transaction extra in Monero that looks for transaction public key, uh, that looks looks for public keys in Tx extra, so it's the the natural place. But as I said, like if we didn't have transaction extra, that doesn't mean that we couldn't do what we what we needed to do. We would just add an extra field for um, for uh, for sub address uh public keys we could add a field for the transaction public key which I'm surprised we don't already have by the way I mean the fact that we we stick it in tx extra is kind of odd because it's needed um a, a verification so so the so the the question there so this comes on to the questions of okay well how do we deal with transaction extra now that there really is something that's that's essentially attacking the chain uh, an idea that's essentially attacking the chain It just brought the discussion back to the forefront, really. There's no, there's been no hostility. There's not really been any huge disagreements, even. I mean, honestly, I've been in many of the discussions or or watched many of the discussions as well, Um, and it's an interesting problem to, to to deal with because there is no. There's no perfect solution for it in, within our current, um, transaction, you know, with our, within our current transaction protocol, there's no easy fix for it. Um, and I can talk about those if you like, because they're the, they're the things that we're, we're basically every time where there's a Monero research lab meeting about transaction extra. I mean, there's like a poll put up and there's lots of discussion and like, Honestly, even myself, like, I can change my mind. I think I've changed my mind like four times already on which, which way I think is the best way. I mean, there isn't a perfect solution. So it's kind of like anything at this stage where I stand is like anything is better than the status quo. Um, but
0: the, the, the initial move that was made to limit the size, uh, obviously you think that that was a good idea, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. I mean, that, that it should have been there. Uh, before, I mean, right. like, we don't want, we don't want arbitrary amounts of, uh, non-transaction data being added to, to the blockchain.
0: Have we seen the effects of that? Has that, has any, have you kept your eye on so, that? Has that actually affected the, the Mordinals thing? Or so,
1: we... it's only just been merged into a point release that hasn't even really been announced much. Um, I mean certainly pools uh, will have been updating i mean I've updated a couple of pools um to to use the, the point release uh, i don't think like i don't honestly think it's going to have much impact on mordenal um, and and I can tell you why as well because a mordenal transaction I imagine is like one output actually has some kind of uh, peak and arrows assigned to it and another and and then, and then they actually stuff the the image and transaction extra, and probably a couple of extra bytes. Um, but even with the cap, I mean, you know, a lot of the images that that you see on modernals, I mean, they're they're way less than a kilobyte anyway. So they could quite easily uh, continue to add images in TX extra as it stands mm-hmm. right now. They just all they have to do is make sure that they're not adding loads of other transaction outputs. If they add loads of other transaction outputs to the same transaction that's adding the data. Um, then yeah, then, then it may impact it, but that's, that's not how people eat it say. So.
0: But what it did mostly is send a strong message that the Monero community is interested in, in deprecating this, the ability for mortals to exist. So this is the initial step we're taking because we can do this right away, but beware, we're going to be taking more steps against this. So you may not want to be, get so invested in this concept of mortals
3: because it's probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's. I mean, that's, that, but that, where you're going with that is an interesting angle to where the conversation goes, where I was saying that like there is no perfect solution. There's, there's basically two or three kind of ideas that are, that are, that are being honed in on. Um, so one of them, so one of them is complete transaction extra removal. So we just completely remove the field and the transaction protocol, whether we do it before Seraphis or not, I, I don't know, but. Um, we could remove transaction extra, we could add the other fields that we need for the current transactions that the that the wallets can do. Um, and then if anybody wants to add an extra field, it would then have to go into a soft fork, um, which is fine, or oh, sorry, a hard fork to that point, actually, not even a soft fork, it would be a hard fork, um, because there, we'd have to actually add something to the transaction protocol and the transaction format. Um, so that's, that's one route. The, uh, the problem with that route, or the, the, the general, the general, um, consensus of, uh, uh not even consensus, but the, the known problem with that, and, and that's steganography. So, Steganography, there's really little we can do to stop somebody that really wants to add data to the transactions. They can do that. They can do it in outputs. They can get somewhere between, uh, probably, I, th- I think, I think I was saying uh, around 20, but, um, I think it was Serge, uh, pointed out that it's actually what Serge or Tevedor pointed out, Serge or Tevedor pointed out it's actually more like, uh, 30 bytes that could be used in transaction outputs uh, so a transaction output is 32 bytes and it's uh it's a uh, it's a public key uh so it's um it's a curve point on the on the ed25519 curve um but it turns out that there's so many curve points uh you can stuff you know up to so let's say let's say 20, between 20 and 30 bytes of any data and then just brute force the last few bits of the uh of of what you're what you're setting as the output key um just to find an actual uh a valid curve point so essentially people can still they can uh, still that's how that works
0: thank you for explaining that you just that was like kind of a eureka moment for me there. Yeah, it's basically how, like how you can embed the data.
1: Yeah, you can basically use, so a public here's 32 bytes. Right. If we say that you could 30 bytes for anything and then all you've got to do is brute force the last few bits so that it becomes a valid, a valid point. Uh, job done. It's, uh, then it, then it will literally be, um, uh, obviously it'll have no value to it. It'll have no spending value. Hmm. Um, but it will be, data that's on the blockchain that's not part of the financial transaction and that's um,
0: acceptable by the network by and it, network.
1: yeah exactly okay. and it will be accepted and, there, and there's really and, and it's not just the transaction outputs that that can be done and it's also in the range proof um so there are other it's not just transaction outputs that, that how's it been, that, how's it
0: done in the range proof now that you just I mean, explained it's, it's, exa- it's exactly, it. the okay, exactly,
1: exactly the same concept exactly the same concept like so you're basically, you're, you're making a range proof that if you remember what a range proof does, all it is doing is saying that it's essentially a positive value. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so that you don't, you can't create coins out of thin air by providing a negative. Um, so that look, it, look the point is data can be like, if you use steganography, you can add hide data in the transaction. So the knock, the, and, and here's where I, I go one way or the other with this because Part of it is by making a change as drastic as that, I mean, it really does force things like modernos, they really have to work to to do their thing. We're basically saying, hey, we really don't want your use case on the blockchain, and so we're going to make it hard for you. And okay, it, it's not really, really hard, but it's a, it's a barrier. And we're also, as, as you mentioned a second ago, we're basically saying that we don't We don't want this crap on the blockchain. Um, So it's a strong signal, and it's a, uh, and we're providing some kind of disincentive for them to do it in the first place. That's what we're. That's what the goal is here. At the end of the day, the goal is to to make it either financially uh, prohibitive or, or or whatnot. I mean, that's that's the goal, and so. So there are other, so there are other things. So, so we just talked about the removal. So removal. Okay. The problem with removal is that, that you, somebody could still get around that because they can use steganography. And one of the problems with them using steganography is we then can't easily identify them. Um, and here's the problem. Somebody could use steganography and then they still publish all of the transactions. So they essentially still, they they have exactly the same problem. They still become known outputs in a decoy set that have been published by the you know the projects like Mordenal so they've published their list of all outputs that have got the uh, Mordenal outputs mm-hmm. and boom there straight away all of those become decoys which we would want to avoid um so like it, it it's more problematic if we can't if we don't know them um now, there is a tool, which surprisingly, and I don't know the, the background for why, but we did, and you'll remember this, there was a, there was a fork of Monero that was, was kind mm-hmm. of like they were airdropping, and that impacted privacy because they were basically, um, people were claiming coins on this other chain uh, using their output, so we, we knew that, like, it was obvious that they were they were, they were actual outputs that people okay. own, mm-hmm. uh, that were unspent. And so a tool was developed at the time called the blackball tool. Blackboard, right? yeah. And what that did was it basically said, okay, all of these outputs, we know that they're, we know that they're bad. We don't want to use those in, in transactions. So, Hey, you can run this, this tool. It will find all those outputs and then you'll discard them from your anonymity sets, basically. Uh, horrible UX for, which is, you know, for the masses, which is what, you know, that's another one of our, another one of our goals. It's not just, uh, private digital cash. It's also easy to use private digital cash. And so like introducing tools like that that people then have to use to make sure that their transactions are private kind of goes against a lot of our kind of founding, our founding ambitions, our founding goals and, uh, like we always say, it, I mean, I, I, I have this often when in the churning discussions, it's like your best, you know, nine times out of 10, actually churning is bad for your privacy. Like the whole, the whole point of Monero is if you use it as it's designed, that is the, the, you're going to get a default level of privacy, privacy basically. Mm-hmm. And doing anything different, you're risking that. So we don't want to have, uh, we don't want to develop a tool that's going to start blackballing again um i think it's a horrible ux so then there's the then there's the camp of keeping transaction extra Mm -hmm. so so in the same way that you could avoid um so if you know what people are using it for then you can basically build that into the into the software to, to basically say okay well any transactions that are using transaction extra and it's like it's, uh, Mordenals data, then don't use them as decoys. Um, but what you end up with then is you end up with privacy, uh, privacy puddles basically because you'll have a puddle of, um, transactions, which are, which are, you know, Mordonals uh, another puddle, which isn't, um, and potentially if something else launches, then there'll be another puddle. Uh, so it's kind of not ideal. So one of the, so one of the, one of the other kind of, um, things that's been discussed is like having a transaction extra so taking all of our current use cases out of transaction extra and then keeping transaction extra as a 255 byte field so uh, and there's been a couple of variations on this as well like suggestions but one of them is like a fixed size 255 bytes um every transaction has it um and we also can do a statistical test to basically look at it and say, "Hey, that looks encrypted, so anybody that so basically you can't put clear clear text data in your transaction um <laughs> there are problems with that though as well. Can you write uh, a tool
0: for that because I was just recently like googling to see what you've been working on and uh didn't you so just... you
1: can't i mean you can but it's not the, the the there are problems so there are other problems with it so did you, but didn't, you, you just...
0: didn't you just put out some kind of tool to kind of figure out that I could test to see if something is. Uh... Oh no,
1: that was just a that was just a quick entropy test, uh, which is one way. Like, so if you've only got two hundred and fifty five bytes, uh, any kind of half the, uh encryption algorithm, you should have close to eight bits per byte in <laughs> over twenty two hundred and fifty five bytes. You know, you're not going to have if it was perfectly distributed, then there would be eight bits per byte, but um, uh, but it's not going to be perfectly distributed, so. You would set a number that, if you were just doing an entropy test, that would say, okay, well, if there's more than seven bits per byte in entropy, then hey, it looks encrypted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are other there are other tests as well, um, not just entropy squared, the chi squared test uh, again, which would which would be on distribution. There are other tests as well. and they're quick tests as well. They're, I, they're, I, you know, none of these tests, you know, you're, especially if you're only looking at 255 bytes, these tests can be very, very quick. And they, so they can definitely be done at, at relay. Uh, so your node sees a transaction coming and it does its quick statistical test on TX Extra. And it says, Hey, yeah, this looks encrypted. Um, the problem with that is so well, the, the biggest problem with that is the problem with with a problem like modernals is they 're going to publish them anyway, so you 're still going to know so the encrypt like even if we 're for forcing encryption at over two hundred and fifty five bytes for everybody. The problem is the kinds of projects that would use it will potentially publish them anyway, right. so we 're back at square one in that sense right. people are still adding i mean the the benefit here is over the steganography, so to speak, I think and I go backwards and forwards on this as well, so don't hold me to any one uh, <laughs> camp. Um, but one of the one of the benefits of keeping transaction extra there is you definitely force privacy puddle. So you could basically, or one of the things, I mentioned this the other day on IRC, uh, like a potential idea would be to essentially never use um, uh, transaction outputs as decoys if they're in a transaction that's using transaction extra. Uh, so that's one way of doing it, like basically having a, having a transaction extra either on the transaction or not on the transaction at all. You end up with two very strong privacy puddles, and I, I'm not sure that I like that idea, but it's, there's potential ideas. Wait, how does that work? Can you explain? Well, that? so basically, you, like the the idea would be you just don't use any outputs from a transaction that used transaction extra. Okay. So you could basically say, hey, we're not interested in those transactions for for decoys.
0: And what's the potential issue there?
1: Well, the the potential issue there is that you end up with these these two puddles basically. These two that you know you'll have a exactly. puddle of transactions that have transaction extra and those that don't. And there, be, there could be many valid use cases of using Transaction Extra, you know, the one that comes to mind often, because I'm in the mining sector, is uh, the use of it for merge mining, um, which is a very valid use case for that kind of field, uh, like, it's for sticking a hash in there. So it, it's not ideal, basically. Um so look, there's, there's no perfect, uh, it's no a yeah. perfect outcome. And so another, 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 so I had a long discussion with Alex at Local Monero, mm-hmm. uh, and where we were basically hashing out something and he actually, he actually won me round on a thing that he was suggesting at the time, which was, okay, well, what we do to really, um, like his, his start, and I'm not holding him to this in the same way that I maybe sure. he should hold me to my thing because none of them are perfect, uh, outcomes. But, um, like he, the discussion we were having was about actually removing transaction extra entirely. So you're basically limited to steno- steganography if mm-hmm. you're going to try and do something like Mordanos. Um, and the, the other, the addition that we were talking about though was also only allowing two outputs. So you're really restricting the amount of data that could be added into that transaction. So if somebody wanted to do an inscription, uh, sorry, we don't call them inscriptions on Mordinals for some reason, but on Mordinals, the data that they add, um, they would have to create several transactions to spread their data out if we only allowed two outputs, for example. Because... So, so, we we only allowed,
0: iconography more so they could
1: only basically add, so what we'd be doing, we'd basically be saying you can either do no financial transaction and so, so you so you could use two outputs maximum, which would be 60 bytes. Well, you're not going to get an image. Most images that people are going to be interested in are not going to be 60 bytes. So they're going to have to do like 10 transactions of 60 bytes to get 600 bytes. Um, so that was kind of one thing that we were hashing out I mean there are I started on that one with the with the dismissing the idea really because it takes away one of our use cases for uh, doing batch transactions so right now you can do a batch transaction you can send to 16 people in one transaction um, and so the use cases for that are typically uh, centralized pools or exchanges we do um, it.
0: We we', we yeah. send-
1: Batch, just, exactly yeah, exactly so so it would kind of it, it it wouldn't completely eliminate it because for example if you're using the RPC to do a, a batch transaction it, it's called split transaction, and what it'll do is it will create as many transaction transactions as are needed based on the protocol so if there were only two outputs and you wanted to send to sixteen people, well that's fine the wallet would basically create you your eight transaction. The downside of this, of course, is we're we're forcing somebody to create more transactions and so there's you still have the pollution. It doesn't solve the problem basically. Hmm. But it does make it harder. That's the this this is the thing. It does make it harder. So I think a lot of these ideas, they're all valid because they all make it harder, essentially. If we force them to steganography, it, it does make it harder for somebody that wants to do something like Mordenals. Um, if we force it to be a size-restricted transaction extra that has to be encrypted, it makes it harder. Yes, sure. I mean, like, maybe 50% of the uh, images would pass a, an encryption test. Uh, that's fine it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if some get through because we're not concerned with the few with like with the with few going through we're concerned with making it harder and there would be a, a significant number that wouldn't make it through without providing some encryption on it we it's all basically just making it harder for people to to misuse um the of course I, I haven't spoken about this at all yet but it does come up in the discussion because here's the thing, like there is, the, as I mentioned at the start, there's nothing we can do to stop steganography. That's like that's a known thing. There's nothing we can do to prevent that. We can make it harder, sure. Um, the real solution is uh, a full membership proof, uh, but we're just not there yet. Uh, we're some way away from. It. I mean, we're still working, uh, you know, personally, but there's people working on Seraphis to increase our ring size. Sure, that'll increase the ring size, but it Ninety percent of that ring is sticking is transactions from modernals, then there's still not much use, is it? Like, the, but if we were using full membership proofs, then this wouldn't be a problem at all.
0: So, when we when we had uh, Justin on last week, so he basically was outlining the slipped up, um, seeing the roadmap as being this initial step we took, which is limiting TX extras field right overnight. Yeah. Um, then you know next hard fork. Coming to consensus on limiting TX extra and encrypting it.
1: Yeah, well, I think the the next hard fork will probably either remove it entirely, or it will keep it and it will be encrypted, or at and, least and after, after, after that,
0: you know, try to you know wait for the full membership proofs, right? And that's when the real ultimate solution I, comes in.
1: I mean, that's <laughs> that is the, it is the ultimate uh, ultimate. I'll speak today. It is the the ideal solution. You've explained
0: things in in ways that have yet to be explained to me. So
1: It is the ideal solution as a full membership proof, but I think we're some way off that right now. There is really only a minimal amount of um, investigation into full membership proofs right now. Most of the effort that's happening right now is into Seraphis Rather than full membership proofs. I suppose the idea is that Seraphis will at least make it, it will at least make the ring sizes much bigger, uh, which will alleviate the, the problem somewhat. Um, and it's also, as I understand it from the design, it should be easy to switch out the membership proof as well. So when, when and if, I, I shouldn't say if, I'd say when, when, when we hopefully have a full membership proof one day, um, then hopefully that can just be plugged into Seraphis, mm-hmm. uh, or that or that membership proof swapped, so to speak.
0: Right, the way Seraphis is architected, you could yeah swap component uh, potentially more easily swap a component out.
1: Like yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: So what? so where do you currently fall like what what do you in in your mind what do you see as being the ideal development roadmap
1: i don't know i don't know (laughs) i don't know like i i you could like anybody could swing me in a in a 20 minute conversation i can like i can i can convince myself one way and then switch 20 20 minutes later uh i think right now I think the next, so the first logical step's been taken, right? So we're, we're limiting to 1060 bytes for the current transaction. I think the next logical step is probably to reduce that size down to the 255 kind of byte size. Uh, and the reason I say that is that that is a size that is big enough to store a few hashes in. So a hash being 32 bytes, that's like, that's a good chunk of hashes that could be added and, and like most use cases for for that field, and it's the same with um with Bitcoin, uh the op return field, which is I mean that's that's smaller than 255 bytes, so it's 80 bytes. But um the the idea there is that it's big enough to stick a hash in there, and and sticking a hash in there is beneficial for merge mining, it is beneficial for other kinds of protocols like atomic swaps or whatever, whatever the use cases is. 255 bytes is generous from from a for, from an extensibility standpoint. So I think I think the natural easy path would be to restrict it to 255, move our fields out of ta- transaction extra, and and I do think a statistical test is worthwhile. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be something that adds another hurdle. Mm-hmm. and that, that's all it that's all it would be um and it, and it also wouldn't add like we we'd have obviously have to make sure that it, it it's a very quick test um i think that's that that's more it's more important that it's quick than than it's than it's um than its result being correct um it's okay to let some stuff through that Right, as
0: long it's creating some
1: friction and... and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's all it would be for, would be creating friction. That's where, that's kind of where I stand. But then I say, you know, like I said, I had that discussion with Alex, uh, from Local Monero, where I kind of got swung round to, to his, uh, where he was leaning most at the time, which was, Completely. uh, was, was actually just taking, doing, getting rid of t- transaction extra altogether. Um, And then we just like, we just have to fork in features as, as and when, you know, somebody needs to do it. If, if, if somebody starts doing some big merge mining thing, let's say Tari really takes off and so we need to add some data into, into a field, then we can add a dedicated field for that use case and it would be small. Um, I don't know.
0: So then what is really the biggest risk with that approach is such that. These new, it would reduce the amount of experimentation that can take place before these type of ideas could begin to be. Really- I don't
1: buy that argument, though. I, I don't actually buy that argument, and I'll tell you why. Because you can do the experimentation without it being on mainnet. Right. That's the thing. If you if you've got enough people that want to try it, like there's nothing stopping you creating a fork of Monero uh, with your code change in it. Stick the, stick your code change on a pull request in Monero, knowing that it's probably not going to get merged, but one day it might. I mean, think about like the way that Bitcoin is, Uh, I need to be careful with what I say here. Not that, not that Bitcoin is perfect by any, any stretch of the imagination. It's not, but the, the notion of like basically proposing a change uh getting kind of some consensus behind it and then getting it merged like it would be the same thing i mean like somebody would develop a feature let's say somebody wanted to do um, some atomic swap and they needed let's say they needed two two fields they needed 64 bytes well then they would in their development they'd obviously add these extra fields that they would need to the protocol and then if there was consensus amongst the community that it was a, you know, a good addition to add, then it would get merged. That change would get merged. And it's as simple as, simple as that. It's not, it wouldn't, it doesn't stop innovation. It just makes deployment a little bit harder. Well, I guess it,
0: arguably it stops innovation in that, you know, it, it, TX actually allows you to test it in, in the real world to see if there's adoption to thing that you're trying to test, right?
1: I mean, like, I for example, know.
0: we have, uh, Luke, Luke Parker's waiting. I think he's going to jump, like, if you can join us actually after this and, and do some. Okay. Oh, but, you know, he's, he's building Sarai, right? And the I know. My understanding is it's, it's utilizing TX extra. Uh, yeah. so what, well, in his scenario, what? So then he would be experimenting on another, another chain, you know, cause like.
1: Well, it, it's not that it, it's, it's really just about a development time, right? Mm-hmm. So. If so I I know I know a bit about Luke's work, um, although I haven't had a big discussion with him about it. Um but as I understand it, like he could add this stuff using steganography himself. Like he and like he could do that. He's definitely got the know how to do it. So he he could definitely do that. And it's not like he wants to stuff the chain with loads and loads of data. So he could certainly do it that way. He could certainly create a patch also that, that add something for his use case um, and and there's no reason why it wouldn't get merged. I think the point is we're, we'd be on a different track if we go down the removing transaction extra, we're we're on a slightly different track to what we are now we're basically saying look hard no right now you've got to come to us with a use case um, or you can go the hard path of using steganography mm-hmm. um, it's not ideal don't get me wrong which is why I kind of I lean or, uh, so, so sorry, Alex. I, uh, I kind of lean more back to the other way of using transaction extra as it was originally intended, which was this field to, to basically add some data. Cause I honestly think that, it, and it's not just Luke's thing, like anything that wants to do something uh, that's outside of the protocol, they're almost always going to need to add 32, 64, 128 bytes. And so I think a 255 byte field. Is is probably sensible to keep um, today, anyway. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I feel today.
0: Uh, you, yeah, I know. As you're talking, you had me convinced that we should completely deprecate it, um, but th- now you
1: are back the other way. I want people to know, though, as well. Like, there isn't like there's no real hostility here. Like, it's not it's not some hostile debate. So, if, if anybody sees that, and anybody sees people like trying to spread fud about the kind of situation. It's really not like that. I mean, there's probably one person out of every thousand that, that right. tries to get argumentative over it. But it really is, like all the people that I've engaged with, everybody accepts that it's there. there isn't a perfect solution. Like Honestly, most, most people get the pros and cons of, of, of both approaches, and probably most people have fallen in the same camp that I have, where I've probably changed my mind five times. Um, but here's where I ultimately stand on it. Any change is better than no change. Do something. That's that's where I really stand. I would not be opposed to somebody that said, "Hey, we're going to get rid of the field, and we're going to force like we're going to force only only two outputs." I would still rather that than the status quo. So, and just as I like this current restriction of ten sixty bytes, which I don't think really plays much part of the conversation anyway. I mean, the change as we talked about is a Change that was needed anyway. Um, but I think if we were going to keep a, a field and let's say we were going to keep transaction extra at 255 bytes, which is one of the suggestions, like fine. I mean, it's a, it's still a, it's still an improvement on where we are. I think we're adding hurdles for the one particular use case, which is just embedding data, like Luke's, Luke's, Luke's use case for this, like he's, he's building something that's for financial transactions right Right. he's not just wanting to just arbitrarily stuff any old data on the chain you know jpegs on the chain that's not his use case he's trying to build something that is essentially going to benefit the privacy sector for financial use so that's that's a that's an honorable kind of thing to work on
0: how about the you know where people's incentives lie, right? So do, do pool, you know, cause I, you're, you're kind of privy to that part of that ecosystem. Do pool miners or do miners and, and pools perhaps prefer going the route of allowing something like ordinals to exist because it could lead to more fees or that's not really pay, playing into any of that?
1: I don't, I don't think like, I think there's definitely a fee argument on Bitcoin. I don't think there's so much of a fee argument. On Monero, because our fees are so low anyway, which really talks, which comes to the kind of third incentive play, which is, okay, well, let's make them more expensive. Uh, like, like let's disincentivize using the chain for, um, by basically, you know, let's say we, if, if somebody wants to use transaction extra, we make it a hundred times the fee rate. Mm. So the thing is, I, I don't give that a lot of merit. I mean, I certainly thought about that idea as well, but I think the problem is is that we always want transactions to be low fee, and even if we made it a hundred x, it's still not going to make it. It's not. I don't know that it's a prohibitive enough expense for somebody that wants to stuff a JPEG on the Monero blockchain. Right. Like hundred, you know, our transaction fees are like a cent or whatever they are now. Um, so we would have to make it. As a financial disincentive, it would have huge. we'd have to multiply the fee factor by its considerable amount. So I don't know that that's a, a solution, but from back to your question from a mining purpose, I don't think, honestly, I don't think there's any real impact for pools, uh, whatever, whatever decision gets made. The, the, the impact is really for node operators, which obviously pools run nodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, I don't want to sync personally. I don't want to sync and store JPEG data on the Monero blockchain till I'm dead. I just don't like it's just more. It's, it's going to add cost to the, to the storage and more cost to the processing of that data. So anybody that's basically um, running a node is incentivized to not have that data on the blockchain. It's right. not just a minor thing,
0: right? Even, even miners. So yeah, so you don't really see there being my, there's not like Joe Schmo miner out there who really doesn't care about the protocol, isn't like necessarily a digital cash person, just a miner uh, that's like, well, no, I love I love these mordinals. It's going to lead to you know higher transaction counts, more fees. Uh, that's not. I've that's not, not
1: I've not heard anybody say <laughs> that from a mining perspective just <laughs> yeah. yet. Um, certainly in the Bitcoin space with inscriptions, because right, obviously Bitcoin Bitcoin fees for the last. Yeah, would have been really low and obviously bitcoin's got its ticking time bomb um with its uh, with its security because this is going down and so there there is a there's a clear kind of argument that people are making on bitcoin that it's good for bitcoin because increasing the fees which is therefore increasing the security um i don't buy that argument either but i can see I can see it being made on Bitcoin and it is pushing up the, you know, I think the last time I looked at the next to get into the next block, I think it was like yesterday, it was like 30, 30 sats per V byte. Um, so a transaction would cost upwards of a dollar. Um, I'm doing head math on that, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's, it, it's, there's certainly a case there, but I don't think it, it's not going to bump up minor revenue that much on Monero because our fees are so low anyway right right right. okay
0: how do you where, where do you see things then going in terms of when we reach consensus is there um a, a time that you see this happening right like so like you're saying yourself you could go this way you could go that way i've you know i think that's kind of where everybody's currently at
1: yeah i think i think quite quickly i think quite quickly now because i'm certainly not alone with this nobody's coming out strong On, on one particular way. And even if they do, they can change their mind. Um, and like I said, I think that, and I certainly, it was, it was Justin, I think, uh, that I was chatting with the other day where I think, uh, like anything's better than nothing. Let's, let's go back to that. Like there's, there's that point. I think, so it's just really a case of tallying up where we stand on who feels like what at the moment. I don't know, like maybe in the next, the next meeting or two, um, There will be more of a more of a consensus, more of a leaning one way or the other, basically. Um, But I'd expect it to be, and again, it would depend what we did as well. Like there are certain things that could be implemented faster than others as well. Like just restricting it to 255 bytes and moving the public keys to a different field. uh, The you know the public out the. The public keys like the transaction public key and the sub address extra public keys, like those public keys could be added to another field pretty quickly and could, could make a, you know, maybe our next hard fork. Uh, whether Seraphis is, uh, ready for our next hard fork, I don't know. Um, the change, you know, to do whatever change we do, it's going to be easier than this total changes that Seraphis, um, so we could see, we could see whatever decision we land on, whether we keep transaction extra or we get rid of it or we keep it and re- encrypt it. Uh, wh- wherever we land, um, I think we will probably see that, you know, we could see it before Seraphis. And if we don't see it before Seraphis, we'll definitely see it at Seraphis.
0: All right. I think that's, that's a good place to, to round out the hour there. And we can jump. Can you jump in the Q and A? I see Luke is in there. It should lead to some interesting discussion. We, are, are you available to do that,
4: Jethro?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Of course. All right, cool. Yes, yeah, so let's um, let's move over there. Luke, what's going on?
4: Uh, nothing much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. Just listening to the discussion so far while I catch up on some work.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, you know we, we wanted to get you here talking with uh, Jethro, and uh, I'll kind of remove myself from the convo a little bit. I just want the two big brains talking about you know basically what the convo we just had, but on a higher level on uh, what you guys seeing the Potential options to where we go with regards to TXX. So I would like to love to get your full take, been, uh especially given the fact that your project would uh, greatly be af- potentially greatly be affected by the decision that you know that's made with regards to where we go.
4: I'll do my best to keep my position uh, brief. I don't exactly want to spend the full three hours reiterating things that have been said at Infinitum. Yeah. Uh, my position is simply that. Tx extra is it a privacy problem? It's a data storage problem. I know that there have been a lot of discussions about uh, the fingerprintability of transactions that use Tx extra, about how if it's moved to steganography, how it's going to be creating more outputs, and because it creates more outputs, that's more chances for decoys, and if those decoys also have privacy issues, then there's a higher chance of your transaction being impacted, so on and so on. But I think any attempt to blame that on TX Extra or on arbitrary data storage is really just misdirected. Uh, the truth is, is that this privacy issue is a fundamental issue with the decoy selection model Monero uses. It doesn't matter if it's TX Extra making a transaction look different. It doesn't matter if it's someone creating 16 outputs and we start assuming those are data transactions. It doesn't matter if a charity publishes their view keys or if, the Rye publishes its view keys because that's one of the things we're doing. The end result is some decoys have their, have their value as decoys reduced. But that's, while TX Extra is one way that may happen, it's really just a problem with the decoy model. So when it comes to privacy, I really rather keep those discussions about the decoy model and about moving to, uh, full chain membership, membership proofs which would be done with uh, what's colloquially called snarks, which was briefly brought up earlier. I won't go too far down that rabbit hole either. Uh, but since, in my opinion, Transaction Extra is a data storage issue, my stance is basically, I don't want people uploading, you know, 200 megabytes of ugly images onto Monero so they can do a grift over here. I'm not trying to say all NFTs are grifts. I'm saying the concept of ugly mo- monster pictures on Monero. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a <laughs> Um And as part of that, yeah, I think TX Extra should be sanely limited. That doesn't stop people from going to steganography. And steganography is going to be less efficient than an arbitrary data field because even if you're using elliptic curve points, Those are 32 bytes by default. Only about 30 bytes are going to be usable with steganography. And there's going to be some places you can't cram data into. So, sure, it's going to be less efficient, but I think it takes a stance that the Monero community doesn't want to have this large amounts of data. It makes it clear it's a circumvention, and I think that the fees and UX of them are going to be significant. And hopefully that's enough to disincentivize it. Well, we could remove TX extra completely and do all this work to limit steganography. Some of it I'm for, some of it I'm against. The main thing I'd note is, I think TX extra has a lot of benefits. It's been advocated so we could update the wallet protocol more easily. Uh, this was mentioned with like the transaction keys, which is what powers Ste- stealth addresses, being included in transaction extra. Uh, when we move to sub addresses, we change how the transaction keys are in TX extra. Technically, we didn't have to launch sub-addresses with a hard fork simply because it didn't affect any of the protocol consensus rules. Transactions were still validated the exact same way. It's just Transaction Extra had more data in it. So TX Extra, one reason for keeping it would be the ability to change the wallet protocol, including in ways that would improve privacy and improve the user experience without having to hard fork. Uh, I can appreciate that, even if it's not my biggest concern. But the main reason I like TX Extra is because I think there are legitimate use cases for short segments of data. Personally, I kind of tap out at the 255-byte mark. Um, whether that be Sarai, whether that be someone putting 32 bytes of a hash onto Monero to make a commitment, I think there's use cases for short segments of data. And Monero might disagree with me as a whole, but... I do think we should keep some amount of data. We just shouldn't keep the ability to upload files. All right,
0: right. I guess Jethro, I mean, you, you don't necessarily disagree with any of that, right? I mean, what's your your response? No, I mean
1: that, that's right. I mean that 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 was a lot of the, the same dialogue that I went through as well. I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, I think I think there are plenty of valid use cases for. Sticking, for example, a hash on the blockchain that's not part of our current use case. I mean, merge mining is the the most obvious one, which is uh, you know a great way of allowing extensibility uh, without um, without polluting the Monero blockchain. And I think use cases like Tari are fantastic. Like that is a you know that is designed as a for arbitrary kind of data storage and. To, for it to gain its security from Monero by merge mining. I think that's a classic example of, of some of the great use cases, as are the thing that Luke's working on. I mean, I think there are plenty of things that we just don't know. But 255 bytes is definitely going to be more than enough for most of those use cases, if not all of those use cases. And honestly, right. people will find a way of
4: making, making 255 bytes work. There also is the argument, oh, well, if you're only doing short data segments, why not just use a hash, which would only be 32 bytes? And if it's as small as 32 bytes, we could uh feasibly like force everyone to have it, and if we force everyone to have it, then you can't tell which transactions have data and which don't, and there's benefits that way. The reason why I still want messages on-chain, and I'm saying this not to clarify anything, I just wanted to provide this bit of yeah, yeah. Um The reason why I want The ability to do messages on-chain and not just hashes to messages, which, you know, with all computer science would still say, yes, this is the message in this transaction. The issue is then you have to go find the message. So I can put a hash of a message in a Monero transaction, and later I can go on IRC, I can go on Twitter, and I can be like, yep, this is my message. I had the message at this time. Here's a Monero transaction confirming that. But I still have to provide the message somewhere. And this is actually the main problem Sarai started facing when I looked at ways to not use TX TXExtra. Uh, our use case flow is uh, someone makes a Monero transaction, they sent it to Sarai, and with it they say, I want Bitcoin, give me Bitcoin to this address. If you decouple the message from the transaction, uh, Sarai may not know what to do with that transaction. It will say, oh, yes, I see it has a message. I know the message exists. I don't have the message, though. Because I don't have the message, I don't know if this should be exchanged for Bitcoin. I don't know if it should be swapped for Ether. I don't know if it should be swapped for whatever else. So that means we now have to set up a way for users to publish their message onto the Serai blockchain, and or at least to the validators of the Serai blockchain. The easiest way is simply to make an RPC call. But this means that if you connect to, you know, some node, it can actually censor your message. And if it censors your message, that means you'll still send your uh, Monero to Sarai because you already made the Monero transaction, but you'll be unable to provide the instructions for it. And that means Sarai now has your funds. It can't return them because you can't send Monero back. Um, And that's a can of worms for another day. Um, (laughs) But it also can't, you know, exchange your Monero for the Bitcoin it wanted because it never told you. And you as the... Monero user would then have to, you know, set up your own Serai node to guarantee an RPC connection. And it's all this work to solves the problem that if you split up the message from the transaction, you now have to deal with making sure both of them are delivered in order to get a successful swap. Whereas if you put the message into the Monero transaction, you only have to be sure the Monero transaction is delivered. And if the Monero transaction is censored by a malicious Monero node, then you didn't lose any Monero because you never actually spent your Monero. So that's kind of the reason why, for Soraya at least, making sure the messages are present in the transaction is beneficial and why just doing hashes doesn't exactly work for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I use hashes as just an example, like the, the point being that... Oh, there the- are
4: plenty of systems that work with just hashes.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, but it's like, and, and your use case, like 255 bytes is probably going to be more than enough, I would imagine. Uh,
4: Even if we like listed Wow Narrow uh, after uh, you know Seraphis comes out and Jamtis happens, uh, I think a Jamtis address is one hundred fourteen bytes. Jamtis being the new addressing scheme under Seraphis, uh, I think it's one hundred fourteen bytes. So even if you are like, oh yeah, I have Monero and I want to swap to Wow Narrow, you are going to specify the one hundred fourteen byte Monero uh, address to send your Monero back to if something goes wrong. 114 byte WoW narrow address and then maybe like 10 bytes of swap data and as a whole you know, even with these much longer addresses we'll have under Seraphis even if you're using two Seraphis coins yeah we'll still fit in 255 bytes. Exactly
1: and, and, and here's, the, here's the other point there as well I mean like we don't, a lot of the decisions for Seraphis haven't been nailed down yet as well I mean this is we talk about this as if it's part of the Seraphis uh, change. It's not necessarily this is the, this change to TX extra could quite easily come before a deployment of Seraphis. Um, so I think there's, there's still a lot of unknowns, but I think we just need right now. We just need a kind of loose enough consensus. Okay. This is where we're all leaning right now. We're mostly leaning on the side of keeping it and keeping it at 255 bytes or whatever. Or, you know, I think. Even if, even if that's where I'm swinging today, that's where I'm leaning today, sorry, on, on the, the keeping of it. I mean, I also can still see the arguments of removal and, and you'll find your workarounds with the removal as well. I mean, you'll use steganography to stuff whatever data you need there. Um, I don't think it's a, the problem is with steganography, I don't think it's a perfect, we're never going to be able to do away with steganography. So,
4: it can be significantly limited. Um, one of the main ways with steganography now, uh, this came up when Justin Aaron Hoffer was present. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, I asked Luke and they can put a thousand bytes into a <laughs> without using QXX. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The main way that occurs is actually via the ring signatures we currently use. So, yeah. uh, with therapists getting rid of ring signatures, that number's going to go down quite a bit. But no, it's still not going to stop the ability to put a couple hundred bytes of data in, and that's just how transactions are. And if someone puts data into outputs, that does not harm privacy under the decoy model. What harms privacy is them then telling people that they have no actual value. Yeah, exactly. It's basically people just publishing their view keys. The reason we call TX Extra such an issue is because people aren't encrypting TX Extra and people can make assumptions about what outputs in transactions with TX Extra are. But if we really want to talk about failures of the decoy privacy model, I'm going to point everyone to Snarks.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, look, and, and you know me as well. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I acknowledge the problem there as well. Like obviously the ideal solution is for membership proofs. I just don't, like I, I don't think we can move to a full membership proof model fast enough. Like I think that's some time off. Like there's a lot of effort now going into Seraphis, and I think the next logical step will there be extra effort going into looking at full membership proofs. So we're we're certainly years away from a from a full membership proof, I would imagine. Um, and Absolutely. And so 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 we just we we just have to. We just have to do what we can as, as, as we see the problem. And, and that's basically what we did with, uh, with the PR8733 with the, with the restrictions of ten sixty six ten sixty 1060 bytes for TX Extra. You know, we can make a, we can make an incremental change, uh, to, to restrict that even further and just change, uh, tweak our protocol so that we add our keys, our current, um, keys for like sub addresses and multidesk outputs, um, to a to a to a separate field um and and we can even go to the extreme of of alex's of of um only having two two output transactions to, to to further limit the uh the the ways in which people can add data in but none of them solve the problem but so it's kind of whatever we do it's just a step towards the towards a full membership proof like we're taking baby steps we know that there isn't a perfect solution right now um so we just have to do the the thing that that minimizes uh that minimizes mischievous use of the data and um and at least steps in the right direction of of limiting people basically uh, yeah, stuffing data on the blockchain, just stuffing non-transaction data on the blockchain, which I think, uh, like overwhelmingly, most people seem to agree that, like, we don't want, uh, that that's not a, a use case of Monero that we want, like, overwhelmingly, I would say. Good stuff. Good stuff. Guess who's
3: back? What's going on, man? You have, you have a question to ask, uh, Luke and Chetra? Yeah. I, I guess I was going to just offer a little bit of pushback. I felt like, Earlier there was a uh, characterization of the community not having consensus one way or another, leaning one way 20 minutes and another way the other 20 minutes. Just two weeks ago we were absolutely ripping on Bitcoiners for having fun, uh, NTFs, NFTs, excuse me, on their blockchain. And if anything, I think the consensus has ripped the thing out completely. That, that might be an overreaction because it's not possible because it's stagnography, blah, blah, blah. But, <clears throat> um, I think the whole consensus is we don't want monkey pegs, ape on the blockchain. We don't want bloated uh, blockchain issues with the nodes. Um, Great. I think that's actually the consensus.
4: Yes. To well, chime in a bit, I, I don't think anyone's at. I, I don't. I do agree that there's overall consensus. We don't want you know, one megabyte monkey JPEGs, or even. I um, would probably say monkey JPEGs of any type. A few people might not mind pixel art that's a few hundred bytes. Uh, but the main thing I wanted to reach out is when we're discussing reaching consensus, what we're really discussing reaching consensus on isn't our opinions on NFTs, which is relevant. It's about the technical steps we want to take to either encourage data, limit data, or provide a best fit for data. And that's the problem that needs to be reached consensus on because there are calls to remove TX Extra, uh, which I, if I had to guess right now, I would say is 50-50. There's about half of the people who just want to remove it, but the other half does want to keep it. And then there's discussion among the group who wants to keep it. And there's discussion among the group who wants to keep it. Oh, do we want to keep it where you can have up to 255 bytes? Do we want to keep it where you can have up to 512 bytes? Do we want to keep it as an unlimited field? Do we want to force encryption on it? Do we want to have everyone always supply a fixed 256-byte segment So you can't tell which transactions have data and which ones don't. Personally, I think that's a bit spammy, and we should have PXX remain optional. There's the question of, should we only allow 32 bytes? You can publish a commitment to data, but not the data itself. Therefore, it's because there's all these different paths that the issue of consensus is being raised. And while there are there is overall consensus that this is a problem and it does need to be worked on. And that's why we recently uh, pushed out a patch that limited the total size of TX Extra within a single transaction to 1,060 bytes. So there is consensus that it's an issue. There is consensus that it needs to be worked on. And there has been consensus on the first step, setting a higher bound. The question is what do we want to do from a design perspective? And what do we want to do from a practical perspective from here?
3: I haven't really heard, uh, Having them expire, be talked about a whole lot. Having uh, a distributed permanent storage, online storage platform is bad. But for your, for your use case, for Sarai, it seems like you'd only need a temporary notepad essentially for your transactions.
4: So there actually have been a few discussions about having it be prunable. Uh, especially so uh, pruned nodes don't have to keep copies of TX Extra. And if we're discussing from a design perspective, you know, if we were building TX Extra today, or as we're discussing hard forks and moving to Serapis, yes, I believe it makes sense for TX Extra to be prunable. But I... Don't think the entire network, and this is me personally, I don't think the entire network should prune the data, because no, Sarai does always need to be able to point to the data and say that was the data at one point, point. and there's a bunch of discussions there. And if a significant amount of the network is pruning the data as soon as they receive it, then it effectively performs an eclipse attack where nodes that may want to have the data aren't connected to any peers We're willing to carry the data. So there were, again, there were discussions on this. It went down a few different routes about how it would be relayed, about light nodes, about changes to the transaction format, about is this just a commitment scheme, or how do we make it better than a commitment scheme and still have Monero suitably relayed. So it definitely has been something discussed. It's just a lot of effort, and the be- because like it's a lot of effort and you don't have agreements to make this effort and to work on it no one's exactly put forward a full proof of concept because there'd be a lot of hours that may not be appreciated
1: uh, yeah and i'd also add that like the the prunable the notion of like prunable data like it would very easily be prunable like i think there's there's no reason why we can't have transaction like assuming that we move obviously uh, move the things that we need in the transaction like the public, extra public keys somewhere else there's absolutely no reason why we we wouldn't have add 10 extra to one of the one of the data fields w- which would be pruned and if that's in the same model that we're already pruning there will always there will always be nodes that have got that data um, so I wouldn't I – wouldn't, that's one of the benefits, I suppose, of how we prune right now. Um, you're essentially working on a, a – you're, you know, you're retaining a random shard. And uh, so there's always somebody that's got that,
4: that chunk of data. And, of course, there's always going to be full nodes to keep every bit of data that company yeah. Um From a design perspective, I would advocate for CSX for being prunable in the current way we end up pruning. Um, wow. The design discussions that came up a few, uh, two or three meetings ago uh, were about a distinct pruning system tailored around TX Extra, so no light node had to keep any copy of the data. And under that, there were a lot more discussions about it. Yeah. But if we just simplify it to the current pruning model, yeah, I would support that. Guess who's back? Where, where do you currently stand? Are
0: you in the completely deprecate TX Extra camp?
3: Um, I am for limiting anything that strays from the mission of being money. Period. I, I don't care about any bells and whistles on the side at all. I think this whole issue coming out and kind of blindsided the community shows that anytime you add any unnecessary feature, it, it adds a vulnerability. Um, I wish. I think we should try to be as ossified as possible. Um, and only focus on very cautiously branching into um, better ways of uh, providing private digital cash. So if, if that includes snarks or whatever, fine. It doesn't sound like that's been audited enough to have the trust of enough people. Um, I feel like uh, Zcash was characterized as being the scientist, and Monero as the engineers recently by uh, um, Anon. Shopping. Oh, you're going to drag me into an argument now. <laughs> <I have> a, <laughs> well,
4: comments to make I'm allowed a moment. If you want to finish your question or comment, of course, go ahead, get back, but I do want to reserve a spot after.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right? I, I, would, I would, I wouldn't characterize it as academics versus engineers. I would characterize it as move fast and break things approach because they have a much smaller market cap. They have much less responsibility to, uh, and they're centralized that's easier to make those moves. Um, I would rather be a little bit more towards the Bitcoin side of how slow development and cautious development is. I mean, not obviously not to that extreme, but um, if there are people who are in our camp who are saying this hasn't been audited enough, um, for instance, Howard Chu has some criticisms, and if he's saying that there's problems with ZsNarks, then uh, well, I am more leaning towards okay, let's be cautious about that, and anything outside of those necessary changes for the mission of money, having a note, like, I don't want people writing on the back of my dollar bills. I I don't want a, A, pegs at all. I don't want distributed. I don't want Monero being used as a distributed cloud storage. If anything, every time there's a, um, a hard fork, I would love to rug pull anyone trying to pull, put a pegs on the blockchain or war and peace or encyclopedia Britannica. I mean, it's money. Fuck them. I, I don't care about their issues. Where their business model is not my problem. We, we need something that can actually perform as money. Anything that ventures outside of that mission opens up doors of unknown consequences, in my opinion. It's very concerning. I'm not a software engineer. I'm not a computer scientist. I, so I'm already kind of looking at anything that's changing from that mission or adding any kind of essentially distractions or cracks as something that's very concerning. And I'll just leave it at that, I guess. And I, and I don't think it's 50-50, uh, people on the fence. If people could get rid of any kind of storage on it, I think it's much higher. I think there's been kind of a lot of talk about, well, there's nothing we can do about it, so a lot of people are throwing their hands up. That might be a large chunk of people. But a lot of people were saying, we can't defeat ASIC miners. Well, we defeated them. Um, I think somehow there's a clever solution, no offense to anyone on the call, that stenography, stenography can be defeated we can prevent blockchain from having to be used be – able, being able to be used as a distributed cloud storage where everyone else is having to buy gigantic memory allotments for housing APEGs or piece or Encyclopedia Britannica. I think there probably is a solution.
4: I, I just I, – I'm skeptical, and I kind of don't buy it. Just like well, uh, So the main thing I wanted to talk about, um, and this is part of a wider set of commentary I've been building up, Um, and to be clear, I'm going to be a a bit of a dick here, and it's not personal to anyone on this call, I promise. One thing I've been frustrated recently in the Monero community is people who don't understand the issues commenting on the issues in certain ways. Monero has a very open development process, and it's one of the things I love about it, and I wouldn't change it for anything, but... I am personally frustrated when people who don't have context on issues and hear about it start commenting. And I feel like this happened a lot with TX Extra. I feel like TX Extra became a very socially commented-on issue. And this actually led to multiple comments on the GitHub issue, which already had over a 100 comments. This led to multiple comments just saying, my opinion is we should do this. When that had already been discussed several times, and restating it doesn't mean anything. One person chiming in and saying that's their advocacy when it's clear they haven't read through the prior commentary on it and they aren't contributing new takes on it, new methods, new contributions, it really just becomes further noise. And I'm not trying to say that means the community's opinions are invalid because, no, we are here to listen to the community. Monero isn't decided by its developers. While well, the developers may put forth code edits. It's there to serve a community. If the community doesn't like the developers, they can and should get rid of those developers. But when it comes to the prior comments being made about snarks not being uh, sufficiently reviewed and being cautious, Monero's always been cautious. It's one of the good things about it. It's one of the things I appreciate about it. But that means if we are looking into snarks, that snarks must be sufficiently battle-tested. And what I would point to that is Monero currently uses bulletproofs. Bulletproofs is not a snark because the S in snark stands for succinct. Succinct means it's faster to verify than it is to create, or kinda. It, it's complicated. Um, <laughs> and that it's smaller. The proof itself is smaller than the statement being proven for. Um, a bulletproof is smaller. It does great on the whole size thing. But the, with relation to the statement being proven for, It's faster to verify, or sorry, it's slower to verify a statement via a bulletproof than it would be to verify the statement directly. So in this case, the bulletproof is saying that the uh, transaction output amounts are sane. Yeah, it would be, and that statement is goes through a long and complex process, blah, blah, blah. Technically, there's overhead when you verify it in zero knowledge via a bulletproof. And because there's overhead to do it in zero knowledge, it's not a succinct narc, a snark, it's technically just a small narc, where the S stands for small instead, because it's smaller, but it's not faster. Um, when we discuss snarks with Monero, we aren't discussing things like, uh, there's this one very famous snark called a Groff 16. A Groff 16 requires a trusted setup. It requires some group to get together and set it up. And because of that, it's never really been considered for Monero. But it came out almost 10 years ago and has been used extensively and has extensive academic review and has proven security in multiple different ways. I think it's unfair to categorize SNARKs, of which Grof 16 is arguably the epitome, as questionable or breaking edge when it's eight years old, if I recall correctly, and has number of deployments and number of scientific... Review. Well, we can say, yeah, but it has a trusted setup and it's therefore not fit for Monero. And I would agree with that. With Monero, we're actually discussing, um, the first thing we're discussing right now, the immediate thing is called curve trees. Curve trees actually just uses bulletproofs. Curve trees, which we would use to achieve a full chain membership proof. It literally defines itself as a pair of bulletproofs. So when we discuss curve trees, it is a large development effort. It is using some different uh, theories, I'm not trying to say it's exactly the same as bulletproofs as we use them now, because obviously now we use bulletproofs for proving output amounts are valid, and here we would be using bulletproofs for proving that you are actually a legitimate input that exists somewhere on the Monero blockchain. But Curve builds on bulletproofs, and we've already accepted bulletproofs. So one thing I get frustrated by is when people are like, I don't know, snarks seem too new-wavy for me. When we're just, dis- when we discuss quote-unquote snarks, in this case, what we're literally discussing is just using bulletproofs more when we already use bulletproofs. And if bulletproofs is broken, we have a lot more issues than if we use them for snarks or not. Um, wow. Well, and with the... Sektra, we start to have a lot of similar discussions. I just wanted to... to. Sorry, go ahead. I can come. I can come back to it if you want. No, go ahead. I just. I don't. I don't personally appreciate when snarks are kind of dismissed as being new wavy. I wanted to comment on that. I've personally yeah. been frustrated with people chiming in on TX Extra and they don't have a lot of experience. And the main reason I brought this up in this TX Extra discussion is because there was the comment, oh, I think eventually we can stop steganography. The whole point of steganography, in the academic sense, is that it's literally undetectable. And there are mathematical proofs that steganography is undetectable. You can say it's infeasible for large amounts, but to make it infeasible for large amounts, for large amounts of data, requires making it infeasible to make large amounts of outputs, which means it's infeasible to transact in Monero. And there's academic proofs about this. We can't stop steganography because steganography has mathematical proofs it can't be stopped. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, the the point about the kind of the snarks and starks, uh, I did want to touch on one thing, like, so the, the bulletproofs, I mean, we use bulletproofs in a very defined uh, purpose right now. We're using them specifically uh, as a range proof. We're using them specifically to validate that uh, an output amount is between zero and uh, an unsigned in 64 max. Uh, so we're basically just proving that they're, they're a positive intake, integer. Um, so, like, using them in some other use case does have... It is different, and it, and it does require different review, and it does require different
4: auditing. Yeah, real quick, because uh, you're not totally wrong, but from an academic standpoint, you, you are technically wrong. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say I know, I I'm right. academics. I just want to... As I'm trying to combat misinformation, um, technically, the range proof, where, bull, where the bulletproof says, yes, this is a valid Monero amount... Uh, The range proof is defined as one possible program for a bulletproof. And a bulletproof is academically proven to be able to run arbitrary programs. So when we discuss using bulletproofs in this different matter, it's a different program. It's a different application. And yes, we can easily fuck it up. And yes, it requires a lot more review. You're right in all those ways. The contribution I still wanted to note is that all of the academic theory backing bulletproofs, the academic theory we relied on when we deployed bulletproofs for range proofs, Correct. all of that still applies and all of the security proofs carry to. That, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And,
1: I, and I'd agree with that. Look, I'm not, as you may have seen uh, recently as well, because like, I've commented on this in a couple of places like I'm not against like us going down a full membership proof model at all. Like I think that's that's our eventual goal. I right? that, that I don't think anybody that's been developing Monero since 2014 2015 would argue that point. Like the, the ring signatures are the weakest element to our privacy right now. That is just a fact. Like and anybody that that argues. The, the opposite of that is plain wrong. I mean they are the, they are the weakest element of Monero. Um, sure
4: so efficient. We now spend a lot of time debating decoy selection algorithms to effectively use those ring signatures. So while we're not you know currently updating the ring signatures too much, we are spending a lot of academic effort on using them correctly. yeah that's right yeah we're we're basically we've
1: just all we've been doing with ring signatures ever since ever since we switched over to ring ct is basically improving them we've just been it's like been incremental improvements so the switch to fixed ring sizes uh making them faster um so on and so forth uh like and, and improving the the decoy selection uh, all, of these elements, all, of these elements, all of these elements all of these elements are incremental changes to to a to a proof that is basically limited in size, which is what the ring signature is. It's limited in size right now to an non anonymity set of sixteen. A full membership proof is definitely uh, desirable and it definitely solves a lot of problems from a privacy perspective and also for stuffing data on the blockchain uh, in a in a privacy-harming way. So the thing is that, that, that I always like to come back to with this discussion, that's for later on. We're not there yet. It, we're, we're not at the stage where we've got enough um, resources working on a protocol that is full-membership proof-based. We're just not there yet. Right now, the effort is Seraphis with, hugely increased ring sizes, which is definitely uh, an improvement, but it is still an an incremental improvement to the design of ring CT.
3: I'd ask a stupid question about stenography. (coughs) Go for it. So if I were to do an atomic swap from, if I took my wealth in Monero and I did an atomic swap into, let's say, our pirate chain.
4: How dare
3: you? (laughs) Whatever stenography (laughs) is on the Monero chain, does not transfer to the R chain,
4: correct? Um, is just data placed on a chain. The atomic swap would have no relation to it. Um, if you want to say that you built a data scheme on Monero, similar to Bitcoin ordinals, where, you know, this Monero amount of 500, uh, Piconeros is mapped to this monkey picture, and now I'm going to atomic swap it, the atomic swap protocol wouldn't care. It would say you have 500 piconarrows and you're swapping them. You would have to build a protocol around the atomic swap protocol to continue that data perceived relationship. And that goes back to how is your data related in the first place and under what protocol did you relate it in the first place?
3: Right. But the ape peg would be stuck on the Monero blockchain, correct? I'm, I'm kind of going somewhere with All
4: this. Right. If you put a Monero, if you put an ape image onto the Monero blockchain, and you claim it's associated with an output, and then you atomic swap that output, the data isn't actually in the output. The data is on the Monero blockchain. That's just about the perception of ownership of the Monero A picture. Yeah, the picture is still on the blockchain. So, the, so, so it really Japan. depends on the right ownership protocol you code around it. Because it's not like Monero acknowledges there's an A picture and there's ownership of it. It's all about how a wallet chooses to perceive ownership of it.
3: Right, but there's no way for anyone on the pirate chain to associate that ape picture, unless
4: I mean, if you bought a protocol that acknowledged both pirate chain and Monero, and it's like oh, you can put data on either, and once you put data on either, you can assign it to an output, and we track all of those outputs, and you can use an atomic swap to exchange two outputs, and we track the data through that. It really just depends on how you coded this protocol around it. If you're talking about a protocol about how you view data, which is what ownerships of NFTs in these systems are, it's just a bunch of wallets viewing the data in a consistent way, giving the idea of ownership. If you're now interacting with PyroChain, you just need a wallet coded to do that with PyroChain, and then you need everyone else to agree with your definition of ownership and view.
3: Well, uh, the reason I was bringing that up, and I also wanted to bring up uh, Zcash's uh, new trust list set up Scheme that they've implemented with the turnstile of Z addresses going—it's basically first through the first through the gate—is um, now part of the new trustless setup. Z addresses, as my understanding, if we wanted to break stenography, couldn't Monero basically transfer into a new like gate Monero so that all transactions go through and it breaks all the. Stenography that might be in the old transactions.
4: When we discuss stenography, we aren't discussing a, it, and we're not discussing like you put it in an output and it's associated with the Monero output like the actual Monero coins are. Uh, when you create a Monero output, it has data on the blockchain. And by data, that doesn't actually mean um, data meaningful to wallets and to the Monero protocol as currency the data on the Monero blockchain is just about how the Monero protocol is representing itself through a variety of ZK proofs and so on. Uh, so the steganography isn't putting it into the output as in the Monero wallet protocol, like the Monero as a currency protocol output. It's putting it into the output as in the ZK proofs and data we use to achieve the Monero protocol. So because of that, it literally doesn't matter what you do to the Monero as a currency protocol doesn't change the fact that the data isn't in the Monero as a currency protocol, it's in the Monero as an implementation protocol. So even if we did force people to reveal how much their outputs were worth when they spent them and moved them on, that doesn't matter. These outputs don't have any significance. It's just someone coded a wallet to argue to perceive this output as having significance to some piece of data somewhere. You could write it where you have a torrent You know, you upload your monkey image to a torrent site. And then you're like, okay, I am saying that this output is ownership of that. As long as you have a Python script coded to do that, congratulations. You have now argued that under your Python script, ownership of this torrented monkey picture is associated with your Monero output. And that's that. You can then code your Python script to transfer it. You can code your Python script to detect the change of ownership in all of these different ways. But none of it matters to the Monero protocol. And even if you're forced to reveal the output amount, the output amount itself doesn't matter. And there's no actual data in the Monero output amount anyways. So, like, yeah, you can code a higher-level protocol to view anything it wants, any way it wants, but none of this steganography is actually in the Monero as a currency protocol. It's just in the Monero as an implementation protocol. And I think that's the confusion.
3: So there would be no way to basically create a gate so that old Monero goes through the gate, goes on a new blockchain that's pruned even, so that it's no longer, what is it now, Uh, almost 60? uh, How big is the current blockchain for nodes? Pruned or unpruned? Uh, Unpruned. I think it's
1: it's like 150 or something like that.
3: So there's no way to send Monero basically through a gateway that restarts
4: the You could could build a brand new chain. And argue it's the real Monero. I mean, we could get them all together, you know, create a new Genesis block, have the value with the, have the Genesis block, say here's how much Monero would supply, and then code it where anyone who burns their Monero on Monero uh, can submit a proof that they burned the Monero to get coins on the new chain. It would be restarting the entire chain. There's no way anyone would ever agree to that. But that doesn't mean the data isn't on the old chain, and that doesn't mean you couldn't update your wallet software. That's perceiving ownership to carry that perception to the new chain. You could have your old wallet, which says, yep, here's the data with this output. Oh, this output was burned to create an output on the new chain. Well, guess ownership follows because it's all about how your local wallet perceives it. And you can make any piece of local software perceive anything it wants as anything it wants. You just have to code it to do it. Right now, I can fork the mobile software. And I can add a system that perceives ownership transfers. And people can be happy with that. And then I can fork it and say, oh, now all the ownership happens on Ethereum. You know, I looked at all the Monero perceived ownership transfers. I copied them onto Ethereum. Now my fork of the wallet software will only acknowledge the ones on Ethereum. And that's how my wallet perceives it. That doesn't mean people burn their Monero outputs for Ethereum ones. It doesn't mean that they sent their Monero to Ethereum. It just means I edited my code for the perception of ownership to now perceive ownership on Ethereum. And anyone can do that. And it all just depends on what the people who want to perceive ownership agree is the way to perceive it. If the community went with me and they're like, yeah, Ethereum's the better platform. Let's just use Ethereum ownership. Cool. Then according to the community of people who had NFTs on Monero, they're now NFTs on Ethereum. How it works It's all just about how your software perceives it based on how it was coded to perceive it and who goes along with you.
3: So when you say the wallet perceives it, are you also talking about the actual data being stored as well or just a reference point is being stored that might refer to an external uh, server? Are you saying the data? It's coded to be
4: anything. All of of these protocols have nothing to do with the Monero protocol. They may use certain applications certain implications of the implementation of Monero to achieve their protocol by using Monero as a messaging layer, but none of it actually connects to Monero outputs. And because Monero doesn't validate these messages that these wallets are passing and calling NFTs, the wallet is just applying its own view of the messages. And as the wallet is a piece of code, anyone can change, anyone can code it to view the messages a different way and handle it differently.
3: So there's In your opinion, there's no way to prevent someone from uploading
4: 4K version of Avatar. What I was saying is that turnstiles don't magically break perceptions of ownership and that you could code an NFT software. So even if you did have to reveal your Monero amount and then make it private again, you could code your NFT wallet thingy to handle that. When it comes to uploading amounts of data via steganography, steganography's original purpose was to hide data into something else. It was meant to be a counter surveillance device. And as part of that, yes, it has been made undetectable. When you you send Monero to someone, you use their stealth address, you create an output key, and that output key looks like a pseudo-random 32 bytes. If it didn't look like a pseudo-random 32 bytes, it could potentially break Monero's privacy. So because it's some presumably random 32 bytes it turns out you can use most of those bytes for data. And the Monero protocol will never be able to tell because random bytes look indistinguishable from other random bytes. So as long as you make your 30 bytes of data appear random, which is trivial to do, the Monero protocol will never be able to detect or stop it because there are, it's just cryptography is perfect if you code it properly. If someone then wants to upload the entire 4K copy of Avatar to the Monero blockchain, 30 bytes at a time, I don't like that. I am horrified, but there's nothing Monero can do to stop them if it appears identical to regular outputs, unless it bans regular outputs as well. Well, we just
1: have to disincentivize. That's the that, that's the ultimate point here. You and can't stop it.
4: For 30 bytes, like, even if the transaction fees are just a cent, Imagine paying a cent for 30 bytes of a probably 100 gigabyte movie. <laughs> yeah, it would be extremely expensive. Yeah, and that I would mean, be the disincentivization. Exactly, exactly.
3: Well, thank you.
1: It was good chatting anyway. Uh, I do have to jump, but uh, it is great to chat, Luke and uh, um, and Doug and um, drunk dial me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, great,
0: great convo, Jethro. Greatly appreciate you taking the time, man.
1: And no worries, buddy.
4: Uh, Luke, thank you so much for, for jumping on. Greatly appreciate it.
1: No, and, thanks
4: and for the I, invite. And, Jethro, it's, so it's great to be talking with you on this platform. You'd agree. Likewise, man. Take care.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> th- thanks, everybody. Guess guess who's back? Thank you so much for uh, participating as well and uh, dumbing it down for some of us. appreciate that. Um, thank you, everybody. Cheers. See you next week.
2: Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to monerotalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.